Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to the Friday, August 21st edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, director of scouting of the DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and super intrigued to see some of the reports from practice today. Uh, we are recording after Brian Flores spoke with the South Florida media uh, this morning, in which he made a big announcement regarding player availability for today's practice. It's about the quarterbacks, which we talked at length about yesterday and kind of reshifting and refocusing our expectations, but also about another Miami Dolphins player, neither of which are going to be available for practice indefinitely. Could be a day, could be an extended absence, they're personal issues, but that is where we have to start today's show. Brian Flores met with the South Florida media this morning ahead of the team's fourth padded practice in their preparations for the 2020 season. And during that meeting, he preempted any questions by announcing that Dolphin safety Kayvon Frazier and quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick were both excused from the team due to personal reasons. Flores declined to go into any additional depth as to why both Frazier and Fitzpatrick will be away from the team today and said that their departures are indefinite. But his absence does set the stage for a fascinating day of practice for the Dolphins, as Tua Tungavailoa and Josh Rosen are the only two other quarterbacks currently on the roster. Both of these former top 10 overall picks will get the lion's share of reps dueling against each other today. To this point in time, Josh Rosen has generally been considered by those in attendance at the practices as the most consistent quarterback from a mental and physical perspective, whereas Tua is still working and mastering some of the concepts and making sure he's not making any silly mistakes with the football, that being his top prerogative. But we got some insight as well from Chan Gailey, Dolphins offensive coordinator, who met yesterday with the South Florida media and spoke about hoping to see better communication from his team versus what he had seen through the first three days of practice. Not just about the quarterbacks, but about the entire offense. He said, communication's been good and hasn't been perfect. We still have some people not used to hearing the play call the way that we do it. You have to listen in sequence, Gailey said. Lyman hear one thing. The next call in the huddle means something to somebody else. The next call means something to somebody else. So you need to listen in sequence and make sure you're listening to your thing that you need to pay attention to. We've had more mistakes than we would have liked, but they're getting the hang of it. So this speaks a little bit about the way that the vocabulary that Chan Gailey's playbook uses sequentially informs each position group of the offense what their responsibilities are. I pulled an example from a Mike Martz, who's a little bit more Air Correll with his concepts, uh, but it does give a common fan 
a bit of a look into what it takes to call a play at the NFL level. And this comes courtesy of J.T. O'Sullivan. Uh, YouTube channel is the QB School. O'Sullivan, of course, a, a career journeyman backup quarterback, had several stops, exposed to several different offenses. And on his YouTube channel, he talks expansively about how different vocabularies can communicate the same concepts. And that's something that Chan Gailey also referred to during his press conference uh, with the South Florida media. But the play example is deuce right, jam, scat right, 525H short post. That is an NFL play. Deuce right gives you the formation. And you work through the rest of the verbiage that's included, and it includes emotion protection, the routes of the three primary receivers, and especially designated H short post, which is run by the H back in the offense. So sequentially, you have to know where your part starts and finishes to properly understand your assignment on the play. And this is not Chang Gailey's playbook. This is not necessarily a Dolphins-specific example from a vocabulary perspective, but it is specific to how sequentially play calls are necessary to know when your range and assignment is being dictated. The other blurb from Gailey that stood out in reference to a lot of this from, from a vocabulary perspective uh, he was asked about Josh Rosen, who has had three or four offensive coordinators in the last three or four years. Uh, I think the exact math is he had three offensive coordinators in three seasons at UCLA. He had two offensive coordinators uh, in one season at Arizona, and now he's on his second offensive coordinator in as many seasons here in Miami. So just a constant shifting and changing of whoever's calling plays. Uh, but he was asked about how do you teach a guy who probably has so much information coming in different directions on how to play quarterback in the NFL. Here's what Chan said, and this is very important because it gets back to some of this sequencing and play calling uh, that we just talked a little bit about. There's really only X amount of plays in football. So what you're trying to do is teach him a new language. How quickly can he learn a new language and get to where he can speak it fluently rather than he's memorizing what something means? So the biggest thing is to try and get him to put the things in the past, the terminology in the past, put it away, put it over to the side and grasp the new terminology. It's okay in your brain to say that used to be called this, but now it's called this and use that as a reference. That's a good thing, but not to get it where it's clogging up, learning what new is going on. And that's true with two has got the same issue. He had three coordinators his three years in college. He's got the same issue, and the great thing about Fitzpatrick is Fitz has put different offenses out of his mind so many times in his career that he's kind of used to it. It takes a while to learn to do that, put it all away, and start something new. So, mesh is mesh. Smash is smash. Dagger is dagger. These are all route concepts. I don't know exactly where Changi, I don't know if he's using a number system for his offense for routes, where one designates a certain, uh, the, the example I gave earlier of a 525. That's an example of routes pairing together to go X uh, slot Z. The X and Z are running five routes and the, the slot is running a two. I don't know if they're going that way or if it's more coded language where code words mean certain things. But these are the kinds of things that these quarterbacks are having to process on shifting and evolving. But 
Once you get the correlation of understanding what the concept is, you can easily call upon, okay, depending on if the middle of the field is open or closed, or if they got three over two, so we got two receivers to my right, but we got three defenders over top of those two guys, so they got an extra man in coverage, and I got three over three on the other side of the field if we're in empty formation, I'm going to start to the left. Or if they're teaching pure progressions, where no matter what, I'm going to take the snap and I'm going to automatically start on my left and come to my next read, coming to the right, he's not open, come to my next read, going to the right, and then I'm getting to the check down. There's a lot of different ways that you can do it. But Changeli, with how he spaced the field, what he's been able to do is make a lot of these reads simple because there's less condensed defenders that can jump onto certain things. It should be very straightforward. Once you know your reads and you know the concepts and you're comfortable with the language to make sure everybody gets in and out of the huddle as they need to, you can operate this offense efficiently. Speaking of efficiently, Bilt Bar has efficiently raided my bank account because I have dropped a whole bunch of coin on some of their new bars. You've listened to me talk on this show before about Bilt Bar and rave about their product. Well, they did so well, they sold out all their inventory, and they totally overhauled and debuted a new and improved formula for their protein bars, which were already the best bars these lips have ever touched. So you can only imagine how good they are now. They're debuting six new flavors with a dozen classic flavors, and right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your next order. So whether you're looking for a meal replacement, a healthy snack throughout the course of the day, weight management, post-workout, Built Bar can fill that void for you. So help us help them do so for you. Visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your next order. That is promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com to save $10 off your next order. Now, I wish I had more context at this point in time to talk to you about how the Dolphins are choosing to attack their install and some of the more specifics. What I do know, regardless of how they call the plays, I did the numbers. I ran, ran the calculator. This offense is going to be big, really big. And we've talked about this on the show before, but this is kind of in the forefront of my mind. The Dolphins, their roster updated heights and weights and so on and so forth this past week. And especially with Solomon Kindly performing well, uh, generating some potential buzz about potentially cracking the starting lineup. So I, I decided to kind of look through and thumb through, and we've talked about in the podcast before, okay, what if Mike Gusecki plays reps in the slot and you've got your three quote-unquote receivers are Devante, Mike, and Preston. And you got another tight end on the field. So it's technically 12 personnel with one running back and two tight ends. And what if that personnel group was starting offensive line, Devante, Mike, Preston, Adam Shaheen, and Jordan Howard as your five skill players, regardless of who the quarterback is. And an offensive line that, by the way, the numbers that have updated are even more eye-opening for what their size brings to the table. This might be the NFL's biggest offense when we go in 11 personnel. Austin Jackson, we assume he's starting by the end of the year. 6'5", 325. Eric Flowers, 
6'6", updated weight, 343 pounds. Ted Karras is 6'4", 314. He's the tiny guy on the line. Solomon Kindly, 6'4", 339 pounds. Robert Hunt, 6'6", 323 pounds. Robert Hunt is the second smallest person on the Dolphins' offensive line. That's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. The offensive line would average 6'5", 328.8 pounds. Average weight of offensive line is nearly 330 pounds across the starting five. If we get, and the Dolphins are comfortable with starting three rookies, that's another conversation we're going to have before the end of the show today. And then Parker, 6'3", 211. Gusecki in the slot, 6'6", 250. Preston Williams, 6'5", 218. Adam Shaheen, 6'7", 257. Jordan Howard, 6'2", 232. If you take those 10 players minus the quarterback, the Dolphins are averaging over 280 pounds per player on the offensive side of the ball in 11 personnel. Let's go. This team's got South Florida conditioning playing in the humidity, and they're going to average a side of the quarterback who, if you put Fitzpatrick in, the average weight of an offensive player in 12 personnel is 276.4 pounds. This team's used to running around in the humidity of South Florida at that size. And then you get into, okay, let's let's talk about you know fans in the stands and whatnot. Miami has a home field advantage that's never going to go away. When teams come to play in Miami, they have to play. Miami's going to wear whites. Miami's going to make you wear your colored jerseys. Your sideline's going to sit parked in the sun until the fourth quarter of the game on a 1 o'clock kick, and the Dolphins don't play any nighttime games or primetime games at, at Hard Rock this year. And they're used to the humidity for 1 o'clock kicks, and you're not. With that size, and they're going to physically challenge you? If the Dolphins are keeping games within one score, it just becomes don't do something stupid. And you got a real chance to win some football games this year. On this offense, the, the, between Flores and the offensive staff, they've talked about, you know, we want to be multiple with what we do on the offensive side of the ball, and I believe that. But at the end of the day, bodies this size... For 60 minutes in the South Florida sun, when we're used to it, and everybody else is training up in, you know, New York, New Jersey, in the AFC East, Seattle and LA flying over from across the country. Seattle, we're in Seattle. I'm an idiot. But we got both LA teams coming to Miami. Chargers and the Rams to play 1 o'clock games in South Florida. And that ain't in December either. Although December, you, you could argue it's an even bigger advantage versus some of the cold weather teams. So I'm excited about the size of this offense. You know, Ted Karras said it himself on Monday. He said, we have big human beings on and off the ball. But big human beings. It's very apparent. Which brings us to the final point I wanted to talk about today which is what happens if the Dolphins' combo of best five includes Solomon Kindly at right guard. It's kind of the curveball nobody really thought about or talked about. He wasn't totally healthy in 2020 or in 2019. Dolphins still clearly liked him. They traded two fours to jump up to the first uh, couple picks of the fourth round to go get him. 
secured themselves a big body, 339 pounds worth of right guard. I think in a perfect world, you could say, yeah, we're going to go kindly at right guard, Hunt at right tackle long term, Austin Jackson at left tackle. We could figure out center. Eric Flowers is here for the next three years. But what happens in 2020 if Solomon Kindly is amongst the best five? Because now you're either going to put Robert Hunt on the bench because you don't want to start two rookies next to each other, or you're going to have two rookies starting next to each other on the right side of the offensive line, which they're going to really have to play well, or Miami's really going to have to commit to running the football to keep opposing teams off balance because we do have to play Chandler Jones this year and Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram this year and Von Miller and Bradley Chubb this year. Those are all assignments that the Dolphins have drawn. Frank Clark with the Kansas City Chiefs. Unenviable proposition to block up some of these defensive linemen. Aaron Donald we didn't talk about. Granted, he's on the inside, but nonetheless. If you put Donald at three technique on the right-hand side, and it's Robert Hunt and Solomon Kindly, you're, you're, you're placing a big bet that those two bodies can take up enough space that they're going to make life chaotic enough for Aaron Donald that he's not going to tear him apart and eat him alive, which he has every skill to do because he's the best in the game as an interior defensive lineman. That's a bit of a scary proposition for Miami, so they have to kind of take inventory and take into account all of these concessions that you may or may not have to make. Week one, it's not going to be any easier. Week two is not going to be any easier either. You got Bill Belichick. He's going to scheme some great stuff up. The Bills have a ton of speed on defense. They got Ed Oliver and Sean McDermott's a great defensive coach. You get a little bit of a lull with Jacksonville, but even they have good talent. It's just young. And then you got Seattle, first month of the season. Trial and baptism by fire as it pertains to uh, if the Dolphins want to go down this route. So if Solomon kindly claims the job and Robert Hunt beats out Jesse Davis, I'd be surprised if that was the direction that they went. But if it is... We're probably not going to see Austin Jackson. I can't imagine the Dolphins are going to start three rookie offensive linemen. Not on the same line. Not if communication issues, which Chan Gailey mentioned, uh, are still something that we're working through. We should be excited about the development that Solomon Kindly looks really good, but we should also be a little apprehensive for what this means for how the Dolphins are going to get all of their young offensive linemen reps. Because Jesse Davis was kind of that X factor that, like, okay, wherever Robert Hunt doesn't fit, we'll put Jesse Davis in that spot. Well, Sal McConley ain't playing out at right tackle. He's a guard, exclusively. So now you have to ask yourself that hard question. Are you comfortable with that? How can you mask that? That's for Chan Gailey, Brian Flores, Steve Marshall, all these guys to decide. But here's hoping we get some nice practice reports and the offensive line looks good uh, today. I'm dropping this right around 11 o'clock in the morning. The Dolphins are getting ready to wrap up practice as we speak. We're going to get an update from those on attendance and on hand. 
as far as how everybody looked. And I will make sure on Monday we talk about everything that happens over the weekend. So keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Hit subscribe, follow along. We're almost three weeks away from kickoff. Lots to look forward to. Lots that's going to transpire between now and then. So let Locked On Dolphins be one of your go-to resources to it. I always enjoy getting a chance to talk to you guys, and I hope you guys enjoy your weekend.